Welcome to the Central Baptist Church Podcast. Located in the heart of Victoria, BC, we are a church that seeks to renew our community through the gospel. For more information, visit centralbaptistchurch.ca. Well, this morning our scripture reading will be a selection of Proverbs on the theme of friendship. And so starting with Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. And finally, John 15, verses 13 to 15 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Well, if this is your first time joining us, welcome to Central's live stream. And uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, we are doing a series. We're kind of into it now, but you can join any week. You haven't missed too much. You can always go back and look at them if you'd like to. Uh, But what we're doing is looking at some of the big themes in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is all about the topic of wisdom, how we need to become wise. And of course, we all need to become wise because life is very complex, isn't it? We need wisdom, and wisdom is the skill of being able to navigate the many complex situations and areas that you will come across in life. Now, Proverbs says if you want to become a wise person, today it's going to say to us, you need to care about and invest in friendship. Friendship. Now, in our culture, friendship certainly matters. But in ancient cultures, it mattered a whole lot more. And even in many cultures today, friendship is much more highly valued than it is in our individualistic Western world in which we live. In our culture, for instance, there's something much higher that people value than friendship. You can, you can guess what it would be. Relationally speaking, what is it? Romantic love. Friendship matters, but by far, romantic love is way more highly valued in our culture than particularly ancient cultures and many cultures today. You just have to look at our books, our songs, our movies. Think about movies, for example. Uh, whatever you know, streaming service you use, say Netflix for movies, if you're scrolling through the different genres, the different categories of movies, you'll find thousands of movies labeled under the, the heading romance movies. Uh, just followed Valentine's Day. You could check out any movies. There's all kinds of them. Romantic comedies, a whole nother genre, a subgenre of romance movies. But scroll as long as you want. You'll go through thrillers. You'll go through horrors. Whatever that genre might be, you will not come across 
a label called friendship movies, movies about friendship. Think about our songs. we got millions, millions and millions of songs about romantic love, about sex, about the pain of breaking up. Endless, endless songs come out about this. But how many songs can you name about friendship? Or think about our social media, kind of the gossip of our world. You're in the, the supermarket and you're coming up to the front. You see the magazines. There is no magazine called Friendship Magazine. You know, with a picture of Kim Kardashian on the front, and it says, Kim gives four tips on how to develop friendships. There's no such magazine. Our magazines are about who is sleeping with who, who broke up with who, who's dating who. Romantic love is by far a more highly valued thing in our culture than it was in ancient cultures or in many cultures in the world today. And yet, Proverbs says, if you want to be wise, if you want to navigate your life well, then you need to care about and you need to invest in friendship. It's so critical for wisdom, and we can see immediately why, because we cannot do this life alone. None of us are wise enough to be able to navigate the the massive amount of complexities that we will face constantly in our lives. We need friends, and what friends do is they come along and they encourage us when we're discouraged. They help us to see things about our lives that maybe we cannot see. We're too narrow. We can't see ourselves accurately. They call us out when we're wrong. And they just help us to walk the road of life well. Friendship. Author Hugh Black says this about the book of Proverbs. He says, there is no book even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept than the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs might also be called a treatise on friendship. Wow. So it's a big topic in the book of Proverbs. So do you want to become a wise person? The kind of wisdom we've talked about all these weeks? Proverbs says you need to grow and what true friendship is. So to that end, let's talk about three things today. Let's talk about why true friendship matters. Then let's talk about what true friendship looks like. And then finally, how to become, how to be a true friend. Let me just quickly recommend two books to you before we get going. The first one's by Drew Hunter. It's called Made for Friendship. And then C.S. Lewis has an essay in his book called The Four Loves. He has an entire chapter, an essay on friendship, which is spectacular, and I'll quote from it uh, later on today. All right, let's get started. Let's talk about this in the first place. Why true friendship matters. Why does it matter? And let's begin by looking at Proverbs 18 and verse 1. It says this, Whoever isolates himself or herself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So right away, Proverbs wants us to understand something, that it is not wise to isolate yourself. To do so is the opposite of wisdom. It is to break out against all sound judgment. Why is that? Because we've been created to be social beings. We're social beings. And of course, some of us are a little bit more social than others, but nevertheless, we are all social beings. Think back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God creates the world, and then he creates Adam, and God declares that all that he has created is good. But then God pauses, and he says there is something in his good creation which is not good. What is that? That Adam is alone. 
that Adam is alone. No animal is a suitable companion for him. Now, what's really important about this is that Adam was not lonely because he was sinful. Not at all, because if you track the story, Adam is experiencing this before sin comes into the world. So it's not a result, this great problem is not a result of sin in Adam's heart. It is that he is alone. We could put it this way. The first problem in the history of the world was not sin. It was solitude. The first problem in the history of the world was not sin. It was actually solitude. The first problem was not the serpent's lies. It was Adam's isolation, his loneliness. And so God creates Eve not just to be his wife, but to be his companion and to be his friend. So do you see what that means then? It means that to need friendship, it means that to want friendship is not a sign that you are weak or that you are immature. It's actually a sign that you are human. To, to want those things is a sign of strength. It's a sign of maturity. Because if you struggle with being lonely, one thing to just realize is that you're, you're normal. It means you're a human being. It means you're not a tree. It means you're not a robot. To be human is to be hardwired for relationship. We need it. It's part of what it means to be human. So when we imagine, imagine in your head right now, what kind of picture do you have if I said, what does a wise person look like? What comes into your mind? Now, maybe it's like your grandfather or grandmother or something, but oftentimes the, the prototypical picture, the stereotypical picture of a wise person is an old man with a beard sitting on top of a mountain all by himself, and people climb the mountain, and he gives them pearls of wisdom for their life, and then they go back down to their lives. Nothing could be further from what Proverbs says about a wise person. A wise person does not isolate themselves, does not live up in their own thoughts, a picture of a wise person might be, you know, three moms walking strollers talking with one another. Might be a bunch of guys going out and playing a game and then hanging out and having a meal together afterwards and talking. A wise person is one who seeks and invests in friendship. They resist isolation. A wise person needs friends. Now, right away, as soon as we say all that, I think we've probably got to say right off the top that this is not easy. There are many factors, even in our own culture, which make this difficult for us. So Drew Hunter, the author I just referred to, he lists three factors that hinder true friendship in our world today. Here's the first one, busyness. We're all just really busy. And so some of us would say, I mean, I got my work, I, mean, I got my family, I don't even really have time to invest in friendship. But Proverbs is going to say to us that there's no question that each stage of life has its own unique challenges. But can we really afford not to invest in friendship? Busyness is the first factor that makes it hard. Here's the second, technology. I think this is one of the great lessons of COVID. It's what we're struggling with right now. Technology is really great. We love technology, but we are all learning the limits of it. I'm experiencing the limb of it right now. I can't stand preaching to a camera right now. I'm so grateful that I get to speak to a camera that I know apparently there's like 500 of you out there. I can't see you. It's a terrible experience for me. I don't like preaching to a camera. I miss the old days and I can't wait for the days when we'll be gathered again. So technology is great, but technology, as we all know, is very different from face-to-face -face interaction, being in each other's spaces, and sharing an experience together. 
It can hinder it. It can hinder relationships and friendships if we give it too much. Or just another example, I'll never forget, uh, walking in a room with, uh, there was 12 girls at a birthday party, all hanging out in the same room together, and they're all not talking to each other. They're all on their phones. So they're all texting and snapping all of their friends who are not at the party, meanwhile neglecting all the friends who are sitting right beside them. So technology can hinder friendships because it can expand your circles too wide. It puts you in touch with too many people. It can actually become problematic. We may have many friends on social media, but that does not mean that we're experiencing true friendship as we'll see it defined in a few moments. Drew Hunter gives a third challenge, and that is simply mobility. True friendship takes a long time to build with people. But in our modern world, we move a lot. So when people constantly move, it makes having true friendship something that can be difficult. We could add many more things to this, uh, many things that make friendship difficult, struggles with social anxiety, even cultural differences can sometimes be difficult, uh, and just the plain old fact that we don't connect with everyone, and it's not always easy to find someone who we connect with and can develop a friendship with. There are many challenges to finding and developing true friendships, but Proverbs begins right here with our need for true friendship. So that's the first thing. Now we come to the heart of all, which is the second thing I want to talk about, which is what true friendship looks like. What true friendship looks like. And of course, there's different types of friends that we may have. And so let me just put something up on the screen. You can think of it like concentric circles. On the outside, you kind of got your impersonal relationships with probably be most of your friends on social media. Then you have your acquaintances, people that you see once in a while. You kind of maybe people you work with, perhaps. Then you have your casual friends, people that you get together with on a semi-regular basis. They're casual friends. But inside this inside circle, you've got close friends. Maybe it's only one. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's a handful of people. This is what Proverbs is talking about. When Proverbs talks about friendship, it's talking about your close friends. It's talking about what true friendship looks like. It's not minimizing all the other parts, but it's talking about what true friendship looks like. And Proverbs gives us many marks of a true friend. Part of finding true friends and experiencing true friendship is making sure that you are a true friend yourself. So as we look through these marks of a true friend, ask yourself, how am I doing on being a true friend to others? Even as maybe you're thinking about your friends in your life. So three marks that Proverbs gives us of what true friendship looks like. Here's the first one. A true friend is intentionally committed, committed to you. A true friend is intentionally committed. So Proverbs 17, 17 is probably the best on this one. Very simple. A friend loves at all times. Just sit in that. Intentionally committed all the time. A true friend is loves at all times. Now, does that mean that true friends always have to be together? No, not necessarily, because here's one of the funny Proverbs. Let's put this one up on the screen. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? I love that proverb. Be careful how much, you know, hey, can I just come over and stay at your place for a couple weeks, sleep on your couch? 
Your friend will say, sure, but if you're there a little too long, you might end up destroying your friendship. As certain people I know like to say, fish and guests both stink after three days. That's another, that's a modern day proverb. Basically matches this one, right? Now that's funny, but it's also true. And what it's simply saying is true friends don't always have to be together, but true friendship means you're there through the normal parts of life. You're there with a person when they're going through a really hard time. And you're committed to them when they're celebrating something and you're celebrating along with them. That's why Proverbs 18.24 says this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let me translate that to modern terms. A man or a woman of 10,000 Instagram companions and friends or followers may very well come to ruin. Why is that? Because the vast majority of your friends on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, they're not actually true friends. They're more in the acquaintances or impersonal friendship circles. And you very well, very well may come to ruin. And all those 10,000 people could care less. They're not going to stop it. But a true friend will not let that happen. The true friend will stick close to you. They'll be committed to you as you're going through the hard times and do everything they can not to allow you to come into ruin. One of the great stories on friendship, and it's hard to find great stories on friendship, is, of course, the legendary story by J.R.R. Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings. What's most interesting about that, though, is if you've only seen the movies but not read the book, the movies have tons of romance in them. But did you know all that romance in the movies is actually only in the appendices in the books? The books, actually, the main theme of The Whole Lord of the Rings is friendship. It's one of the dominant themes of the story. And romance is a side theme relegated to the appendices. So at one point in the story, Frodo realizes just how dangerous the journey is that he's on. And so he decides he's going to go it alone. He says, I don't need other people. I can do this myself. I don't want to put anyone else in danger. And so he gets in a boat and he goes out into a river. But his friend Sam sees him and starts chasing after him, goes right down into the river and almost drowns. And Frodo has to pull Sam out of the water. And still Sam wants to go with him. But Frodo, even after that great display of friendship, refuses to allow Sam to come with him. And he says to him, Sam, I'm going to Mordor. And Sam turns to him and says, of course you are. And I'm coming with you. That's the definition of friendship. Committed. I'm with you no matter where you're going. I'm intentionally committed to you. Your life is going on a hard path. I am going to walk this path with you. And if you know the story, without Sam's committed friendship, Frodo never would have made it to Mordor. Now, Tolkien wrote this story about friendship in part because he knew what true friendship was about. In real life, J.R. Tolkien, one of his best friends, was C.S. Lewis, who I referred to earlier. And many times, Tolkien said he never, ever would have completed The Lord of the Rings if it had not been for the constant companionship and friendship of C.S. Lewis. The power of friendship. So the first mark of a true friend is just that you're intentionally committed to another person. And it's not easy, of course, because time passes and sometimes we neglect friendships. So maybe even this week, one way that you can pursue true friendship is to just think about that friendship you've neglected for a while. Don't beat yourself up too long about it. Just maybe pick up the phone, schedule a Zoom call or something, and just say, hey, look, I'm sorry I haven't been in touch for a while. How are you doing these days? 
Men, I think a little word for us is in order here too. I think women are just better at this than men. I don't know why. They just are. But guys, we got to be a little more intentional with friendships. It takes work. It takes effort. we got to invest a bit more. So what's something you could do this week to intentionally invest in being a true friend? A true friend is intentionally committed. Here's the second mark. A true friend is emotionally connected. So intentionally committed, and now secondly, emotionally connected. Let me put three Proverbs up on the screen, one at a time here, and they're all going to connect together. They're basically saying the same thing. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, oh, uh, I was only joking. Here's the next one. This is a good one. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning will be counted as cursing. We'll talk about that. Here's the last one. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. So why would a man intentionally deceive his neighbor and then say, oh, I was only joking. He doesn't get what's going on. Or why would someone be so unaware as to get up, you know, at 6 a.m. in the morning and just start yelling, hey, good morning! Big, great, huge, loud blessing as if that's, and then the other person's not even awake yet and they're like, oh, stop. Why would you do that? And then finally, why would you sing a happy song when your friend is going through a really hard time? And all three of these, what you basically got is a lack of emotional awareness. You're emotionally disconnected. The first person in all these situations is totally lacking sense and discernment as to where the emotional state of their friend or their neighbor is actually at. They're out of touch with their inner emotional state. They, in other words, they can't tell when it's appropriate to joke. On this one, they don't realize you got to wait till someone's had a cup of coffee in the morning before you start, hey, how are you? You don't do that to people when they first wake up. You need to just chill out, let the person have their cup of coffee, and then you can talk to them. Some of you are nudging your spouse right now. I think there's some people in my family maybe commenting to each other at the moment. And the last one, of course, you don't go singing happy songs when someone's going through a really hard time. You empathize with them. You care about their struggle and what they're going through. So a true friend is emotionally connected. When you're going through a hard time, they feel it too. When you're celebrating, they're celebrating with you. That's a mark of a true friend. I love this quote from the 19th century pastor named J.C. Ryle. He says, The world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It is a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. Isn't that good? You're going through a, a difficult time. Boy, does it take, it takes away half the trouble. When your good friend calls you up, takes you out for a meal or something, and just, you just get to share your struggles. You just get to vent for a little bit. It doesn't take away everything, but it halves your troubles. And then when you're going through a great time, being able to share your celebrations, your, your triumphs in life, sharing that with a true friend takes your joy and it doubles it. So true. As Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. We all know the power of that when a true friend has come along and spoken a good word to us and lifted some of the weight off of our hearts. So a true friend then 
The marks of a true friend in the first place are you're intentionally committed, and in the second place, emotionally connected. And now here's the final one. The mark of a true friend, a true friend is gently honest. Gently honest. Look at Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, you know what's going on here, right? This is the kisses like uh, French-Canadian people do. Uh, some Middle Eastern people, I always find this super awkward because that is not my culture. But you know when friends come up, like guy to guy, girl to girl, whatever, and you kiss you know, on both sides of the cheek, it's a sign of friendship. So, I don't know. Guys, this is that back hub where you do the three times. One, two, three. That's maybe what that is in our culture. Uh, it's giving someone a, a tight hug, whatever the case. Wounds, we all understand what that is. But notice here, you would expect it to say, faithful are the kisses of a friend. Profuse are the wounds of an enemy. But that's not what it says. It says faithful are the wounds of a friend. What? Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What's going on here? It's talking about the way true friends are willing to confront one another, to have difficult conversations because they truly love one another. A true friend is someone who will call you out when you're off track. If your true friend sees, hey, you're making some decisions right now that could totally wreck your life, that person is not your friend. They're actually your enemy. If when you're about to destroy your life, they give you kisses instead of wounds. The flip side is, you know they're your true friend if they're even willing to wound you, to say hard words to you, to maybe give you some constructive criticism. It's going to hurt. You're not going to like to hear it. But the mark of a true friend is they're going to be honest with you and share when they see that you might be wrecking your life. Now they do that, like Jesus said, when he said, if you want to confront someone else, first take the plank out of your own eye, do that. But then he said, you are. Some people totally misinterpret this verse. They always love to throw on the judge not. Never judge anybody or anything. That's not what Jesus said. Go on and read it. You are to judge, but the way you're to do it is not to be a judgmental person. You're to take the plank out of your own eye, and then what are you supposed to do? Take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. In other words, you're supposed to do it. But how do you do that? My wife seems to have like a vortex for bugs that go into her eye. Like well, she'll be out running and all of a sudden bugs just like get sucked into the black holes of her eyes. So she's always getting little bugs in her eyes. And sometimes you can't get them out. And I have she get, asks me to go in and, and, and to try and, and take the little bug out of her eye. So how do you take something out of someone's eye? Very carefully. Very gently. That's how Jesus says we are to confront. You don't come in with guns blazing. You come on and you, when you want to talk to your friend in particular about something that's ruining their life and something that's hard, you come in and you do it as gently and as carefully as possible. But what this proverb is saying is it's, it's always going to be wounding for us to receive that kind of constructive criticism. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. Because they're not wounding you like an enemy who's stabbing you in the back with a knife. That's not what a friend does. A friend is wounding you like a surgeon does, where they're only wounding you because they see something that has to be cut out of your life, and so they're trying to heal you. And of course it hurts, but in the long term, even speaking personally, I'm so grateful for friends who've been gentle and careful, but have spoken to me about areas where they say, this is an area you need to pay attention to. 
That is a true friend, one who's willing to do that. That is what will make you more wise. If you have friends like that in your life, it'll make you more wise, more human, more whole. One of the great examples of this comes from way back, way before my time. But 1935 is when the sequel to the original Frankenstein movie came out. And it was called The Bride of Frankenstein, one of those old black and white movies. And there's a very famous scene where the monster is out in the forest and he comes across a cabin in the woods. And in this cabin lives a blind old man. And so he comes to the door and the blind old man opens the door. But of course he can't see the monster and the monster's growling at him. But he just assumes it must be a man who cannot speak because he can't say any words. And so he invites him in and he says, perhaps you're afflicted too. I cannot see and you cannot speak. I'll get you some food. We shall be friends. Now, right before this scene, the blind old man had been praying down on his knees. He'd been praying that God would send him a friend because he was so lonely. And so over the next few days... This blind old man allows the monster into his house, brings him into his life. They do chores together. They meals together. And there's a great scene where uh, they're sitting at a table together and the monster even begins to speak for the very first time. And the blind man says to him, we are friends, you and I. And the monster says, friends. And he speaks. And then something happens in the movie. That never happened not even once in the original Frankenstein movie. And it never happened a second time at all in the second movie after this moment. And what happens is the monster smiles. He smiles. Never happens again. What's the point here? Friendship humanizes us. Friendship makes us more human. Even in the case of a monster, the monster through friendship begins to speak and even smiles. And yet I think we all say, I think I agree with all this in principle. Yet most of us are kind of scared to invest in friendship. It's scary to allow somebody into your life to get to, to really know you. We're scared of others seeing our faults, and we certainly don't want any constructive criticism because that hurts. So a lot of us have struggles with that, but do you see what all this has to do with wisdom? Why this is so important? If you're going to walk the path of wisdom, you need friends because you cannot see things clearly on your own. None of us can. None of us can see ourselves accurately. None of us can see the world accurately. We need friends because a true friend helps us to see Helps us to understand ourselves. Helps us to see situations and allows us to be more discerning in the the decisions that we make as we go along in life. Again, I'm so grateful for friends who've offered me counsel along the way. Helped me through hard decisions. Helped to guide me because they cared enough to be a true friend. So those are the three three marks. Uh, A friend is intentionally committed, emotionally connected, and gently honest. To summarize this, we could use the words of Tim Keller when he says this, a true friend always lets you in and never lets you down. Always lets you in and never lets you down. So a true friend shares their life and their heart with you. They let you into their lives. And then a true friend looks out for you and is committed to you. They never let you down. That is why I think the 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon said this, He said, when you have found such a man or a woman and prove the sincerity of his friendship, 
when he has been faithful to you, grapple him to yourself with hooks of steel and never let him go. In other words, if you can find that kind of friend, invest in it and do not let it go. It is a great gift to have in this life. So let all that settle just for a moment. Those are the marks of a true friend. Now let's come and talk about one final thing, and it is this. How to become a true friend. How to become a true friend. Now I don't know about you, but as we were going through all that, two things kind of happened to me as, as we're thinking through all that. First of all, there's a longing. There's a longing to have that kind of true friendship, and I, I do have some of that in my life, but a longing just that I love that. That is amazing to have that. And I'm grateful for the friends I already have and long for more of that. But then secondly, there's a groaning. A groaning to think, I haven't always been a true friend. Maybe I've lost friendships that could have been great if I had invested in them more. There's a groaning that goes on there. So let's just be honest as we each look at our own lives. There are many factors why we may not enjoy true friendships, but one of those factors probably most assuredly would be that we haven't always been the true friend that we should be. So that brings us to this point then is how do we become this true friend that always lets you in and never lets you down? So at this point, what we really need most of all is the power of the gospel to once again bring renewal into our hearts, to change our hearts through what God has done through us through Christ, that then we would become the true friends that we need to be, and then hopefully in that process attract the friends and maintain the friends that we so desire. So let's just think this through. Think about John chapters 14 to 17, which tells the story about uh, the night before Jesus was crucified. He was enjoying a meal with his disciples, with his friends, his closest friends, and he was trying to explain to them what was about to happen. And so here's what we read. Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus, notice what is he doing here? He's letting them in. Letting them into his inner heart, into his inner thoughts, into what's going on. What does he want them to know? He wants them to know. He's about to tell them that he is going to die. He wants them to understand that his death on the cross is the greatest demonstration of friendship and of love in the history of the world. In fact, we could rightly say that the cross is a cosmic act of friendship. For Jesus now goes on and he says this in John 15, 13. He says, greater love has no one than this. This is the greatest of all love. That someone laid down his life for his friends. So what was going on at the cross? What was happening at the cross? Really, it's the greatest act of friendship in the history of the universe. For in the beginning, you remember if you read Genesis 1-3, to God walks and talks with Adam and Eve. God, they, they are the friends of God. But then, oh, the tragedy of tragedies. Adam and Eve turn their backs on the only one true friend that there is, God himself. Adam and Eve... Ignore God as their friend. They're indifferent to God as their friend. They betray 
God as their friend. And this is the story of the human race ever since. That we have not been the friends of God. We have betrayed him. We have gone against everything that he asked us to do. Everything about what it means to be in a relationship with him. We have betrayed his friendship. Not only that, we've ignored him. We've been indifferent to him. We do not worship him. The history of the world is our lack of friendship to our creator who made us and who loves us and who gave us everything in the beginning. Now, what would you do, just asking you this question, or what have you done in real life, when a friend has totally betrayed you? What do you do in that situation? What if it's not one betrayal, but it's betrayal after betrayal after betrayal? The obvious answer is we walk away from that friendship. That's what we do. We walk away from it. But listen to the story of the Bible. God is the friend who has been betrayed over and over and over again. And yet God does not walk away. He doesn't walk out of the universe, close the door and say, fine, I'm leaving you guys behind. He does not do that. Rather, the story of the Bible is the story of how God has done all that is necessary to reconcile the friendship that he wants to have with humanity. But just as in any case where two people are totally at odds because of something terrible that's happened between them, that thing needs to be made right before there can be reconciliation. And so this is exactly what God does. This is the whole message of the cross, that at the cross, God reconciled us to himself. Jesus took all the sins that we had committed, all those betrayals, and he stood in our place. He was punished for our sins so that that betrayal that God experienced has been removed. The hostility has been removed. So God is now free to come back into relationship with us. He's dealt with all the problems, all the hostility, all the betrayals. He's done it through the cross of Christ. And now the great message of Christianity is be reconciled to God. God is the one who will reconcile you to himself. Come to him and be reconciled to him. You can do that because look at the cross. There's Jesus on the cross. His arms are stretched wide. What more powerful picture do you need than Jesus saying to you, I want to let you in. I want, I open my arms up wide. I'm giving myself entirely to you. And look what he's doing on the cross. He is bearing the punishment of what you and I deserve. He's getting what he does not deserve. And what what does he not deserve? To be forsaken by God himself. For on the cross he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is being forsaken because he is taking all that betrayal, all that sin that we had on himself. And so there's that, that, that tear in the relationship with his own father. Jesus on the cross experienced cosmic isolation, cosmic solitude when he was forsaken of God. And here's the big question. Why did he do it? Jesus experienced cosmic isolation so that you could receive the hand of friendship from God himself. Have you received that? Have you been reconciled to God? All you have to do is come to Jesus and say, forgive me and reconcile me to God. Forgive me for all the betrayals. I want to be a friend of God. Now, whenever we talk about God as our friend, I've heard this throughout my lifetime in churches. Many Christians will say, we shouldn't be speaking like that. 
to speak of God as our friend. It dumbs God down. God is the the creator, the mighty one, the holy one, the almighty one. We should not be speaking in such low terms of God. We've got to exalt him. He deserves reverence and respect. And when I hear that, I think there's just enough truth in that statement for it to be said. But friends, it could not be farther from the story of the gospel. For it is lacking, deeply lacking, in the heart of the good news. The good news is not just that there is a God who is holy and almighty and glorious and great, and so we should just bow before him. Oh yes, that's absolutely true. But listen, the heart of the gospel message is this. That the holy, the great, the almighty God of the universe wants to be friends with his creation. We don't ever dumb down his glory. Oh, but don't ever take away the intimacy, the closeness, the ability to draw near and be in relationship with him. For that is the heart of why he sent his son into this world, that we would be able to draw near to him, not just worship a great and powerful God who is afar. How glorious that the one being in the universe who knows the worst things about you loves you and wants to be a friend to you. That is true friendship. How magnificent that the one being in the universe who doesn't need your friendship at all, he doesn't need you. How glorious that this one being who doesn't need your friendship wants it and has done all that is necessary to attain it. Oh, what true friendship. And how wonderful that even when you wanted nothing to do with him, he went after you, is patient with you, and because of Christ will never leave you or forsake you. What a true friend. So you see, the way to become a true friend to other people is to go deeper and deeper into the good news of the friendship that God gives you in himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Because the more you're into that friendship, the more secure you will be as a person. Because see, like one of the great reasons why we don't have friendships is we're afraid to let others in. We don't really want them to know us because if they knew us, they would see all of our faults. But listen, when, when Christ, when God is your friend, you can say, oh man, Jesus knows my faults way more than anyone in the whole world ever will. And he's still my friend, so I can allow others to see some of my faults too. You're secure. And not only that, you can seek friends, but you don't have to bank everything in your life on pleading, trying to have somebody else as your friend because you're secure that God is your ultimate friend. You still want other friends, but you're secure in his friendship. You become a true friend by going deeper and deeper into the friendship that God gives you and I through Jesus Christ. So that's how we begin to become true friends. But now let me wrap it up with some suggestions about your friendships with others. Here's some steps to take this week. Here's the first thing. Repair broken friendships. Maybe they'll never be friendships again, but maybe there's some friendships that you have that just need a little bit of work or repairing. Go out and repair those today. Do it this week. Second, pray about friendship. Just pray about it. Maybe you have a longing for friendship. Begin praying. God, I'd like, I, I want some friendships. Would you provide a true friend for me? And if you're married, one of those true friends should be your spouse. So maybe, maybe that's fallen apart a bit too. Maybe you need to come to God and say, show me how to make my, my spouse my best friend again. Or maybe even for the first time. 
Maybe sit down with your spouse and just say, hey, what do you think we could do to build our friendship with one another? For it's your friendship that will last to the very end. Third, make efforts toward friendship. Got to make effort. Make efforts with the friends that you do have or try to connect with people. And again, we got to empathize here. This is one of these things that's hard. So, so often we try and then there's a lack of connection. You're like, why is there a lack of connection? Who knows? You can drive yourself crazy trying to figure that out. But just keep trying to make those connections. And who knows when God may allow there to be a connection and to begin to develop a friendship. See, here's one of the great dangers as you get older. And those the older you get, I think there's a greater danger the older you get. It's that you've experienced more and more fracturing of relationships, more and more problems in friendships. And so what can happen so easily then is you begin to become guarded. I'm not going to let myself go through that again. So you close down your heart towards other people. You're not going to invest as much because you put yourself out there before and that didn't go so well. And you can do that. But that is not the right response. Listen to what C.S. Lewis writes. This is brilliant. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. It's going to happen to you. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal like your pet. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. You'll solve that problem. But it will be unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. We shall draw near to God, not by trying to avoid the sufferings inherent in all loves like friendship, but by accepting them and offering them to him. You can't escape having your heart broken. But the wrong response, the unwise response, is to try to then protect yourself the rest of your life and isolate yourself so you don't experience that. The only thing you can do is to keep putting yourself out there and bring any of the troubles to the Lord, trusting that he'll give you the joys and carry you through the hard times. And here's the final thing. Trust God's hand in your friendships. We do choose our friends It takes effort. It takes investment. But behind it all is the invisible hand of God. Let's listen to C.S. Lewis one last time. He says, we think we have chosen our friends. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart from our true friends. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances, no luck. A secret master of the ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that Proverbs teaches us on friendship. And Father, this morning I pray that you would 
Enable each one who's listening who has a longing for friendship that you would provide that. And at least one other person provide that friendship. And Father, we know a lot of times uh, it's our own fault. We do not invest. We isolate ourselves too much. So Father, I pray for each one also that you would give them the courage to put themselves out there. That they be wise in how they go about it and that you, by your providential invisible hand, would bring them people who can care. I pray for also this morning the marriages in our church family, for all who are listening today, that marriages would be the very heart of friendship. That friendship, companionship, just laughter, silliness, having fun, also walking through hard times with one another would be the defining mark of the marriages within this church family. I pray you would rekindle those friendships where maybe the fire has died down. For all of us, Father, we thank you so much that through Christ, you have reconciled us to yourself. How glorious, Jesus, you, the friend of sinners, you who sought us out when we were the ones who didn't care, you were the one who did all that was necessary, and you are the only ultimate true friend. We're so grateful that we can count on you, that you'll never let us down, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. So we give you our praise, and it's in your name that we pray. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and gatherings, visit us at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Podcast.